On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, uh, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bang, bang, bang! Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. I, I've been concerned for you though. I've been thinking about you the last couple days. I'm wondering how you're holding up in this weird extended summer that we're having that's crept into kind of basic white girl fall that I know you're very passionate about. Um, the foliage has arrived, but uh, everything else is still kind of summery. I do not care for this at all. <laughs> I expect sweater weather at this time of year yeah. and nothing less. And uh, yeah, it's it's not only hot, like I can deal with a little bit of a warm, you know, a, a warm snap in um, September or October. Sure. It's the humidity that I'm really... It is weirdly humid right now. It's gross. (laughs) And like, it's actually stirring up allergies. I don't know if anybody else has had this, but like, I get kind of an... I don't have severe allergies, but I get a bit of an itchy face um, and and that seems to be back. And I don't know anybody who has dogs. (laughs) If you have dogs with allergies, specifically ragweed allergies, like this is hell because it's just re brought up their allergies so my dogs are scratching like crazy <laughs> no one is happy about this i just want i just want to curl up in my sweater and my sweatpants <laughs> and drink a latte and live in fall and it's taking away my fall time it is it's it's been weird like that i'm the same way i have like i have a little uh ragweed that normally by this time of year it's long gone like I, yep. i'm normally done with this and uh yeah the last couple days and look there's just as the world is slowly opening back up and you find yourself, you know, seeing so-and-so here or back into such-and-such store, whatever it might be, you don't want to wake up in the morning stuffed up. Like, you don't want anything that feels abnormal because, of course, your mind goes to the worst possible place. And, of course, you know, you've been masked and largely outdoors and, like, there's no chance it's this. But, you you know, human brains are just meant to be broken all the time and assume the worst. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I've been... uh, you know, it, it's in some ways it's been kind of nice. I, I spoke to my parents not too long ago who said like the lake is like glass. Now it's much too cold to swim in because it's still going down, um, you know, overnight to a pretty cool temperature, but like that it's been like gorgeous around the, the waterfront and meanwhile you're having to pull the boats out and stuff. So uh, whatever, but yeah, it's just kind of been this oddly extended summer. I, uh, it's been weird. 
Yeah, I like I said, this is this is my favorite time of year, and it's so short. Yes, and and I feel like this is a little offensive that it's uh, <laughs> it's being cut into by the most disgusting part of summer, which is August. Um, and also, it doesn't feel like it's the NHL season as a result of this, but it very much is. The NHL mm-hmm. season has started. The Seattle Kraken have played a game, and we'll get into all that. Uh, the WNBA finals are also well underway, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but first, do, do we want to lead off with the news, Matt? I'd like to lead off with the beers. Oh, yeah. We have beers. <laughs> See, okay, the news will make much more sense in a few minutes, but this is, I'm totally off my game. What are you drinking today? <laughs> so I am today, this is from the Bancroft Brewing Company. Um, this is called the Rusty Husky. Hey, speaking of husky, how's it going there, buddy? Yeah, um, my dog knew you were talking. Oh. It's all right. (laughs) Um, This is the Rusty Husky. It's an amber. um, And uh, I don't think I've ever tried this one before. I've tried one or two things from the Bancroft Brewing Company before. Uh, For a long time and a year or two ago, uh, we sold. But that's where the family cottage was, was just outside Bancroft. And often I'd be like, we should really stop in there. Like, really should check that place. Never did. Uh, Now that we're moved out, you're starting to see their stuff pop up in some of the central Ontario liquor stores and stuff. So grabbed it there. But it is just weird. Sometimes you kick yourself with opportunities missed or whatever. But a lot of time breweries keep weird hours, right? If you're up there on the weekend, they're closed usually on Sundays and on Saturday, you don't want to leave the lake. So it kind of is what it is. But um, yeah, this is the, uh, like I said, it's the Rusty Husky. It's kind of their fall amber. Uh, it's supposed to be here according to the description. It was brewed for the Canadian, what did we call it? The 150th Quadra Quinta. Come on, people. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what that actually was. Sequicentennial. There you go. That's it. Is that it? That was oh it. God. Nailed it. Thank you. The and pulled me out of the fire. Keeps. Yeah. Um, it was brewed for that, but, uh, I guess it was popular enough. They've, uh, they've kept it around here. It's supposed to be a little bit sweet. So we'll see what that's all about. What about you? Well, first of all, I have to say I love Bancroft Brewing Company. Okay. We we did like a so my my uncle has a cottage up in um, South River, just near North Bay, which was it's originally my family's cottage, so I grew up going there. And we went up there not How last summer. From Ottawa, or from your part of Ottawa? From, from Almont. <laughs> I'm halfway there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's about four hours. Okay. Four hours and it's a far bit. Far enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not nothing, but it's it's actually a nice drive. Like once you get past Deep sure. River, I find that. The drive is beautiful, and right. you can kind of go the back roads home where you would go down Highway 11 kind of towards Toronto oh, yeah. and then cut through essentially Algonquin Park yep. um, and and through Bancroft and the Ontario Highlands, as they call them. Yep. And uh, we did just that. We drove down to Bracebridge, went to Muskoka, and then did kind of like a little craft brewery tour on the way home. We stopped at um, uh, Halliburton Brewing. Bosch and Kong. Bosch Kong, yeah. Bosch Kong. Uh, they make good beer then, in other places that was close by that I never got to. <laughs> yeah, like there's some gems in like literally the middle of nowhere. Yes. And, and Bancroft was one of them. I was actually very impressed with Bancroft's beer for a small brewery. Hmm. Well, so yeah. far uh, on first pull on this, I'm pretty impressed too. So Awesome. Yeah. So I'm also going with a uh, brewery in the middle of nowhere, which I believe I had, I think I, I was drinking a beer from them the last time I was on. Um, this is the seven slash 62, uh, brewery, oh, which yeah. is in oh my God, in the Madoc. name of the Madoc. Thank you. I was like looking at the can where, yeah. where was this, this set off it's alarm literally... bells for me? Cause we drive past it so often going back and forth from my parents to, 
to hear and uh, to know that there's a brewery sitting right there at the halfway point. Because I think there's also like a McDonald's there or something yep. and, and a Tim yeah, Hortons. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to become like the uh, the halfway point. Stop, get a burger, grab some beers and keep rolling, right? <laughs> Highly recommend because, yeah, exactly on Highway 7 where that McDonald's is, you turn right there and, yeah. and I swear to God that this brewery is, <laughs> a, a, you know, an intersection down. Like it's very, very close. Perfect. Um, and so I'm drinking their Isolation IPA today. Um, which I already, I already cracked into. So apologies for, for the lack of sound effect. Um, yeah, but same. I believe last time I was drinking their kind of their signature beer, which was, a um, more of an Amber yeah. and it was, or it was a bitter, it was an English bitter, sorry. And it was super good. And this one is also very, very good. Solid IPA. Like there's nothing that blow me away, but like if you're an IPA lover and you go to a brewery and you order an IPA, it's kind of exactly what you would expect it's not super hazy or anything but it's got a nice hop to it it's, it's light and refreshing um so yeah i'm i'm a i'm a big fan of this i've, I've really enjoyed their beers so far we did a little sample sampler over the weekend of some of the uh, beers we got from them um this is one of the stragglers that was just left over in my beer <laughs> fridge so cheers to the uh small town middle of nowhere ontario brewery central ontario's <laughs> finest right That's, there you go so we have uh, a little bit of news to give to the good listener, um, and uh, you know I'll, I'll let Michaela deliver. But um, I'm gonna brace everybody that uh, this was always on the table, right? This was always sort of where we may have ended up. So before anybody gets too alarmed, and, and we'll talk it through, you know, it, it's all just take this easy. As Michaela, del- and I'm making it sound like she's dying or something. It's I was gonna say, am I dying? <laughs> it may be, I may be overstating it just a little bit, but why don't you tell everybody what's up? It's gonna be okay, guys. We're gonna get through this. Um, for those of you who know me, you know that I tend to take on a little bit more than I can chew, and lo and behold, I have done it again. Um, so I am gonna be stepping away from Talcan Audio. Um, I know. I trust me. Trust me, it was not an easy decision, but with the CFL season in full swing and Mouchoir podcast back, plus she's got game, plus my full-time job, it was oh, just getting, thing. it was, yeah, that's whole like, <laughs> they expect me to work 40 hours a week. Like That's weak. This? Come on. Ugh, I know. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just getting to be a little bit too much. And I, I don't think I was really doing a span, a spectacular job. Uh, I any of the the kind of three extra things that I have going on. Obviously, my full time job always takes you know precedent. Sure. But um, I felt like I was I was being you know pulled in different directions and three nights a week of recording plus the various like prep time that goes into it. And she's got game as as much as I love doing it. And I do love doing it. It's a lot. It's a lot more work than than I used to have, uh, which is a good thing. I'm not complaining, but sure. it's just. You know, it's it's meant that I was a little more stressed and and um, probably, like I said, not doing as good of a job at any of them as I as I would like to. So I had to, for my own well being and and for the quality of of the work I do, um, kind of choose to to let something go. And and this is the it, it's not like it, you know talking audio was the least important to me or anything. It's, it's just, just the one the paying I, the least. <laughs> we tried to up our offer to two beers a show but it wasn't enough to make her stay folks <laughs> no it, honestly it, and it, it's it's the thing i can leave and impact the least like if i leave mouchoir not that i'm saying like i am the glue that holds sure, mouchoir together no. because let's face it that's gin and but you know i i edit it and i produce it and, and we share the workload so i'd be leaving her high and dry she's got game is like you know 
on TSN radio and, and um, I can't, you know, promoting women's sports is, is a passion of mine and I had to make that a priority. So I made the very difficult decision to step away from talking out of you. It doesn't mean I'm gone forever. Like I'm going to, Oh, it does. So I hold a grudge big time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know it, but she's done. <laughs> bitch never coming back. Um, I'm going to force Matt to, to have me back on, especially, you know, there's, there's going to be times where you're looking for a co-host and like, yep. kind of like we did when I originally started coming on, like, you know, send me a text. If you've got a topic you want me to, you know, that, that you think, uh, you know, my voice would be helpful for like, anything women's sports really or sentence like i'm always happy to join um just cfl yeah i kind of like that too and you know just just on a a less regular basis i'm not necessarily uh i'm not obviously not leaving permanently just just not going to be a regular contributor anymore but i will give the listeners the time they need to process this (laughs) so like i said you know at at the top Michaela and I chatted, I guess, for the first time last August, I believe, maybe July, um, was early on in the, the pandemic summer and, uh, you know, just to have her come on as a guest and, uh, you people seem to enjoy that. So we had her on a couple more times and sort of talked, I think it was around November, um, where we sort of decided to see if, if you wanted to make it kind of a, a more regular appearance. Cause you had said like, I'm sort of itching for my, my time on the microphone, right. At, with, mm-hmm. at the time. Um, your TSN radio gig had gone down, but you were very clear coming into it. And, and I was, you know, certainly not caught off guard. It was well understood that your end game was to get your radio show back and to have the CFL back, which would mean Mouchoir fires back up. And at that time we would reevaluate. So we've sort of seen that come to fruition over the last several months with She's Got Game getting up and going. Wasn't the exact same radio show, but it, it was a radio show on, on more stations, which was awesome. Of course, Mouchoir's back up and running. And yeah, over the last little while, the Red Blacks' newfound love for playing Wednesday games, whatever that's all about, oh, has sort of crept into the recording time. There's been other times where, you know, we, we've had our recording time squeezed a little bit because you've had other interviews to do for She's Got Game and, and stuff like that. And so it wasn't particularly surprising when you said... I may need to take a step back here. It, it, you know, you've got a lot on your plate and we went into this eyes wide open, right? That this was hope where you wanted to get back to. And, um, it was awesome to have you weekly do this. Um, and I'm with you the door isn't closed certainly to, you know, for the next little while, have you on as a guest or get your expertise on whatever, or just if someone is away and we need someone to fill in, we can certainly look at that. But I'd like to think even in the new year, right? The CFL has wound back down and things have calmed down. Maybe you're de-stressed. You know, we can, t- this isn't goodbye, right? We'll, no. we'll touch base and, and see how things look. And, you know, if there's a, a way to, you know, make it work again, we will. And if it becomes a more irregular thing, uh, but certainly for the foreseeable future, yeah, it's going to be uh, a bit of a step back. I should let the good listener know that in Michaela's stead for the next little while, because we got to move fast, right? We got to move on, Michaela. You understand. Yeah, you got to replace me right away, man. And uh, I've worked hard to try and find somebody for at least the next week or two that can uh, that can bring it the way you do. And I, I, I've tried hard. I'm not sure whether he would Good agree luck. that I have, uh, I have found someone at your level. But next Wednesday, Ian Mendez will co-host the podcast. Uh, oh, you know what? If you had to, it, it's a step down, right? A little like, bit, a little bit. I think he would agree. Ian, 
Ian doesn't have the experience that I do. He only hosted a four-hour afternoon radio show for yeah. what, like seven years yeah. on TSN. He's a little now green, this, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, he works for a cute startup called The Athletic. Um, no, I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. just so anyone listening knows, I'm I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Mendez is amazing. And so um, the last few times that Ian's been on, we've sort of interviewed him, right? We've, uh, we've whatever, but he's agreed he's just going to come in and co-host the podcast, whatever is uh, topical. Um, right on. So he's going to do that. And uh, the following week will be our pal Amy Burke. Um, she nice. needed a little time after Tokyo um, to digest what went down. I know a lot of you had questions on two fronts, her limited playing time. Uh, she's made it public since then. Obviously, she was injured and that was not well-timed, right, to roll into the uh, Paralympic Games injured. And, um, you know, that, of course, had a fairly negative impact on her team. She wanted a little time to digest when she got home. Before, And I know Amy well enough to not come knocking on her door quite that quickly upon a return from an event like that. Uh, but she's ready to talk about it a little bit. Plus, uh, you know, again, whatever's kind of topical that day, it won't be a straight-up Amy interview. She's going to co-host the show. And that just buys us a couple weeks here to reset, see what we want to do, talk to Rob and just sort of figure out how we want to, uh, you know, set the shows up, whether Rob's back twice a week, whether, um, you know, we go to one a week and, and a guest show, you know, we're just going to sort of figure it out from here. But for the next two weeks, you're in good hands. Ian Mendez will be here. Amy Burke will be here while we sort of uh, recalibrate what Tall Can Audio is going to look like starting at the first week of November. Dude, you're not even gonna miss me. Like that—that that is a stellar lineup, and in, within minutes, you're gonna have listeners saying Michaela, who, and that is okay. That is what I want because I was so anxious about. I hate disappointing people, and I hate walking away from anything. I have so much fun doing this, um, and and like I said, I will be back. But that—that that is, th- those are two very very solid co-hosts that I think are going to, you know, again, make sure no one misses me whatsoever. <laughs> so that I'm glad to hear that. Like I said, we will, uh, we'll, we'll keep Michaela around, um, in our back pocket whenever we, uh, she'll, go. she'll jump in. She'll be here. It's not goodbye. That's it's right. just see you later. <laughs> um, and, and I've, you know, it goes without saying I've absolutely loved doing this and, uh, Matt and I kind of Matt brought me onto the podcast. I'd say we partnered up, but this was something you had and you very much just invited me into um, at a time where I wasn't on the air and I was very much missing. I had no CFL. That's what she said was not on the air anymore. And you know, little did I know it was, it was never coming back. <laughs> um, but they hadn't told me that yet. And uh, I miss being on the air like crazy. It's a huge outlet for me. And, and the pandemic sucked in so many ways. And, and one of the ways it sucked in my very privileged world was the fact that it, it took me off the air. So um, talking audio gave me that outlet for a very long time. And um, it's, it's nice that I'm, I'm back on the air more regularly mm-hmm. now. It sucks that I had, like, I, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, taking for granted, you know, what I got to do here and how no, much no. fun I had, but uh, you know, we all have to, I, I talk about athletes protecting their mental health and I'm much like a professional athlete. Um, <laughs> this know, might be the I, only thing you have in common with professional athletes. Very true. Very <laughs> true. I, they don't drink beer when they do their job. Um, but I, you know, I have to practice what I preach a little bit and, and, you know, just make sure that I'm doing a, a good job on, on what I am doing. So I'm, I'm happy that, um, that I was able to do it. I'm so, so grateful for everything I've gotten to do here uh, Matt, and thank you for bringing me into what you had built yeah. with Talk and Audio. Um, it's a lot of fun. And obviously, like I said, I'll be back. 
Yeah. Well, you've obviously brought uh, a ton to the table here, um, a perspective that we clearly lacked and, uh, you know, some topics that maybe we wouldn't have gotten to otherwise. So it's been valuable for us too. And obviously the listeners have loved it and you've brought your own audience to this outlet. And I hope those of you uh, who've come, I hope some of you will stick around, even knowing that Shrides <laughs> isn't going to be here all the time. Uh, we will try to continue to entertain you even without her, but uh, it, it's it's worked both ways, right? It's been fantastic that you were here. And, you know, even for Rob, it's been, you know, to record at home um, in a noisy house like he's in, to do it a couple times a week like we had been able to do in person wasn't really an option for him. Whereas maybe doing one on a Sunday was doable and then a different voice coming in here like you on, uh, for the Thursday morning show. Um, it, it, it's, it's worked well for everyone. It's benefited and, uh, it's great to see that the things that you were hoping to see come back have come back. That was always yeah. the end goal, right? So I think this has been gr- good for everybody. Nature is healing. That's right. We're all recalibrating, getting back on track. Uh, but we got lots of sports to talk about. This doesn't have to be an entire hour of uh, back padding and mutual appreciation society. So. <laughs> oh, but I love that. Um, yeah, it's it, the NHL season just like very rudely started yesterday. And I feel like this came out of nowhere. The NHL still season looks like totally. August out there. <laughs> it, it still feels like August. I feel like we literally watched the Tampa Bay Lightning hoist the Stanley Cup five minutes ago. Yes. Um, I, it was a shorter, I know it's not a super short, but it was a shorter off season. And, you know, this is the first full season that the NHL is having since the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think maybe that's a little bit of it, but I don't know. Am I the only one who's like, Oh, the NHL is starting like yeah, totally uh, caught me off guard. I'll be honest. It's been the exact opposite for me. Um, <laughs> it's because uh, it, we did start a week late, right? Like, um, I think normally the NHL starts the week before, like the Wednesday before Canadian Thanksgiving, right? And uh, I know that because normally I'm itching for Thanksgiving dinner to wrap up on the Saturday night <laughs> in time for 7 p.m. To, to roll around. And so it started a week late. And uh, that's, of course, because it finished a couple weeks late. And they're just sort of trying to creep back onto their schedule a little bit here and, and you know, give everybody a bit of a break. But yeah, no, I, I don't feel it the same way you do. I, I feel like it's time, like, let's get going. And uh, everything being pushed back a week or two, to me, has been noticeable. I, I just, I'm ready. Once the Jays went down, I'm just like, all right, let's drop the puck. Let's go. Yeah, I think what, what got me was the summer didn't feel like, you know, there was no dog days of summer for sports. No. The NHL season ended. The WNBA season was in full swing mm-hmm. at that point. The Olympics happened. Then the Women's World Hockey Championships happened. Paralympics then got up and running. The Paralympics. Yeah. Then the WNBA nonstop. again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe it's it's this like that my focus on other sports, especially with she's got game. I just haven't been able to dedicate my time to to kind of prepping normally, but throughout the preseason, like I've, I've gotten to the point as an NHL fan where I'm like, Hey, the preseason sucks and I don't pay attention, yes. but I'm usually at least watching it. Cause I'm just desperate for hockey and I'm reading every season preview and I'm so into it. And this year I had to cram it. The Steve Dangle podcast did a preview on each team. So they're like 10 minutes on each team. They did uh, two episodes, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, like two and a half hours for each one. And I just crammed both of those in. And (laughs) and that was like my season prep. So I know like a little bit about every team right now. And the fact that Brady Kachuk isn't signed. Well, allow me to help you out here while I pump our own tires. Um, On episode 890, it's out now. uh, Our buddy Jeff Vayette 
did a in-depth Toronto Maple Leafs preview right here on uh, on the Talking Audio podcast. And episode 892 will drop on Thursday, a little bit after this episode. That's our buddy Graham Nichols with Sixth Sense. Uh, we'll go in-depth on the Ottawa Senators. So if you're still finding yourself a little bit unprepared, uh, those two teams, the Battle of Ontario, we've got them covered in-depth here on the Tall Can Audio podcast. Those are up at tallcanaudio.com or uh, wherever you're listening to this one. That was only awesome. partially for you, Michaela. <laughs> no, I will definitely. This will, this will help me, trust me. And I do have to say, I know you did an episode about this, so I'm not going to repeat any of your content. <laughs> but I watched All or Nothing. Did ya? I did. I, um, I saw you tweet at me about it. And uh, it hurt my feelings, and so I ignored it. I, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. You can do that. that is, you're right. Because Josh refused to watch it. Did he really? So yeah, I, yeah, for those of you who don't know, my husband Josh is a massive Leafs fan. It's a point of contention good guy, for us. Really good guy. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> he refused. He's like, I'm not watching this. I know how it ends. I'm just like, oh, okay, fair. But I watched it, yeah. obviously, for the humor of it. This was this was the, the laugh-out-loud comedy <sighs> of the year, folks. <laughs> So dramatic. It's so sad that you have to go, Michaela, that you're not going to be around I know, here. I, all, I'm you know. really making you not miss me here. That's my goal of all this. But I just had to, I had to share with you on the air that I watched it. And so beyond and that, the fact um, that you loved watching so many Leafs fans experience pain again, what did you think of the, the production of it? I mean, like the, the, for the production of it from a visual standpoint, it was it was stunning. Like it's very well filmed. Um, some of the kind of stock footage they got of the cities made even Edmonton look really pretty in January. Even was, Edmonton. Even Edmonton. <laughs> Edmonton fans hate me. Um, but it, like, I, like it was. I like you know. I've, I've been watching uh, Drive to Survive, the F one series, and I'm not an F one fan. Right. But it's gotten me more interested in the sport. And so I many kind people of, say that that this is it, this series is hooks you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and 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 I think that the NHL needs more of that because they need to grow their audience, and this is exactly the kind of thing that will do that. Because if you're a fringe fan, if you're not a huge Leafs fan, or maybe you are and you just want to get more into it, like this would do it for you. A bit and, of a masochist. And, you know, yeah, seriously. I, I honestly think the diehard Leaf fans like probably don't need to watch it. Again, they know how it ends. They don't need to be heard again. But if you're a fringe fan of another team or you're just trying to get into hockey or you're a Sens fan who loves to watch the Leafs suffer, like it, it, <laughs> it was fun for those purposes. And I think it's that kind of like behind the scenes content that's going to build you fans. So I was a big fan of that. The, um, the one thing I, I was a little dramatized. Okay. Uh, the one thing that I mentioned, and, and we did a small series on them, which we called Tall or Nothing. Those are up now if you want to hear yes. uh, my, my thoughts on those. They're also on the feed right now at tallcanaudio.com. Um, I felt like some of it was really unnecessary. And I, I do wonder if it's because I'm too much of a hockey fan. I thought the, the John Tavares segment with his uncle was just cringeworthy. You know, these people yeah. don't wish to be doing this. I thought Justin Hall... And Jake Muzzin doing the golf thing was, it was better because they at least had a little bit of natural chemistry and, and charisma and it, but it still was awkward and kind of, you could tell very forced The Nylander thing reorganizes the race day. There was a couple of these cutaways where you're just like, this is not necessary and they're all fairly awkward, but maybe this type of series is meant to bring in more than just the hardcore hockey fan. So you're sort of trying to introduce the characters a little bit, right. And, and give a peek away from, um, what's happening at the arena. And, and to me, those could be cut and these 
episodes would flow a little nicer. And maybe you'd even have a few minutes then to put in, you know, the way they prepared for their terrible power play or like some more X's and O's thing. I got some feedback on would have been nice. Uh, but you are trying to balance that maybe this isn't produced just for hardcore hockey fans. This is done by Amazon Prime, not by the NHL. They want as big of an audience as they can generate. So, you know, maybe that's the balance that you have to strike. I, I thought it was reasonably well done, but I don't feel like I learned a ton other than the, uh, I thought the trade deadline episode was pretty interesting. Other than that, it, it, it was fine. I never found it boring or like it was being poorly done. But I also didn't find it to be this over the top, you know, oh my God, this is so great kind of thing either. It was yeah. just sort of there, right? I, I really, one of my takeaways was Sheldon Keith swears way too much. <laughs> like, I Bruce get Boudreau that it's of this one. good. And it felt forced. Like, you know, when you can tell someone is swearing for the sake of swearing, I felt like that was a little bit going on. Like, okay, buddy, that's enough. I, I would have loved more. More Joe Thornton in any of these scenarios because he was hilarious. <laughs> yes, he was. More Joe Thornton listening to Brian Burke talk about him in the that was car fan- on the that radio. Was good. That was fantastic. I loved that. Like, yes. Joe, Brian Burke is talking about the fact that, like, you know, acquiring Joe Thornton is like going to the grocery store and buying something you don't really need. Yes. Like, you <laughs> all, he was just laughing at it. That was awesome. Yeah, Joe's just like, sitting like, fuck you, Burke. <laughs> like, just looking yeah. at it. He's clearly not too hurt by it or whatever, but... Yeah, that was interesting to see. That was pretty cool. And there were moments that were yeah. that were cool, right? But I, I just, you know, it was four or five hours or whatever it was. You're like, all right. like I'll never get that time back. Um, the one moment. Same as thing much I say as at I the end of every Leaf season. Very, very true. <laughs> I didn't want to relive this moment. I don't think anybody did. But the John Tavares injury, was, like yeah. hearing, hearing the players talk to him while he was on the ice, like as traumatizing as it was, mm-hmm. I actually liked seeing that because for me that felt – like it was the least forced moment of the entire series because why would you like they didn't they the last thing they any of them were thinking about was that the cameras were on them yes. right or that they were mic'd up or anything like that they were thinking about their teammate lying on the ice you know struggling to get up yeah um when he very much shouldn't have been and and you know we all remember how scary it was watching that moment and to see it from the from the teammates perspective i thought was really powerful um, so I don't want to say I liked that part because sure. I, no, you know, I didn't like watching it again, but I thought that was actually a really genuine moment. Well, and the two things about that, that I would say is I agree with your sentiment in terms of the way it was presented on the dock, but during episode one, at the very end, when they're trying to, you know, next time on all or nothing, basically like they're showing you everything that's coming. And they used that as one of the scenes to get you to stick around. I hated that. I hated using it as a promotional tool, as a tease, stick around to watch this man fear for his life. Like, I really didn't enjoy that at all. I thought it was kind of a shitty thing to do. And I did enjoy, though, that in episode, later in episode five, because that injury happens at the beginning of episode five, they show him back at the rink. They show Jack Campbell talking to him. They show him getting ready to go for a skate. I thought that was super important, even if it was just for a moment, because again, if you brought in people who aren't hardcore hockey fans that may not know in the end how that story ends up, you've showed that he's okay, right? You've sort of tied up that story, even if he doesn't come back and play in the playoffs, which obviously he didn't, you had to kind of show, okay, like there he is, he's back. He's, he's doing okay, right? It was it was important to kind of, from a storytelling perspective, show the audience it's okay, right? He's doing all right. And I thought they, they did that in a fairly 
unintrusive way, right? He's just sort of back at the practice rink with the guys talking to a few of them. And um, I, I thought that was well done. I thought it was important to put that couple of minutes in there towards the end. I would have loved to see more of Kyle Dubas running down the the, the um, stairs and like calling his family. Like I wanted to see, I wanted uh, Kyle Dubas a little more mic'd up there because I thought that was really important to, uh, yeah. I remember after it happened, there was a lot of talk of like Kyle Dubas's role in this and keeping the family informed and broadcasters saying like, we're not broadcasting to anybody else but that player's family. Like yep. that perspective is really important. And I think they could have highlighted that a little bit more, but it's true. Anyway, I, I know we're supposed to be talking about the actual. Like, it's all right. You know, I, it's worthwhile. NHL season. Yeah. <laughs> so Toronto, Montreal, like, we're not going to get into the games and stuff, but Toronto, Montreal kind of kicking off their season tonight against each other. It always happens. Leafs are then coming to Ottawa for a very quick uh, turnaround time uh, with the Sens on Thursday night. How are you feeling as a Leafs fan heading into the season? Um, well, as we sit here now, as you said, we won't go too in depth on the game because by the time people hear this, it'll be over. But the Leafs went at the beginning of the week from having too many forwards and how are you going to get these guys through waivers to Mikheyev getting hurt, Matthews not being ready, Marner, as we sit here now, a game-time decision. We don't know if he's going to play, and Adam Brooks claimed on waivers. So all of a sudden, you're four forwards down, and uh, the depth looks a little less, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, look, I still think this roster that they are likely to ice against Montreal and Ottawa is better than those two teams. We'll see, right? Like, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. But in general, I think the Leafs will have a pretty good regular season. They Their, their reputation is that they're a very good regular season team. Um, so we'll see as long as he's, Matthews isn't going to be out too much longer. And, um, you know, we don't know what the story on Marner is. They'll be fine. I think, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to see some real games again. I, I know a lot of people, I won't watch anything until the playoffs and none of this matters and what they'll all be back. Everybody's back. That's how this shit goes. Um, I'm ready to see some hockey. I enjoyed opening night. It was interesting to watch the ESPN broadcasts that were being run through Sportsnet uh, on Tuesday night just to see what their broadcasts were going to look like, right? How they were going to present the game. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the play-by-play guy in the early game, Tampa versus Pittsburgh, I thought was pretty bad um and frankly talked through several goals like telling stories about nights out in vegas and whatever like ah, oh, and there's a goal and you're like oh, okay thanks uh ray ferraro was his color guy he is always fantastic uh the late game john buchagras with brian boucher and aj nalechko was a much better uh broadcast and they did uh seattle versus vegas and that was interesting just it was cool to see seattle put up a fight at one point they were down three nothing you're like all right like this is what happens to most expansion teams. This is sort of how it's supposed to go. We were spoiled with Vegas. But they come back, tie it up at three, uh, lose on a controversial goal, but made it a fight, right? Made it interesting. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I, I enjoyed the the first night. No doubt I'll watch these next couple of uh, Leafs versus Habs, Leafs versus Sens, and we'll get a sense of what this is all going to look like. But yeah, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for some hockey. And the first yeah, few I- weeks, sorry, the, the first few weeks, I always watch a ton of games because I'm a Leaf fan in Ottawa. I have to buy the the NHL package, right, to get all the out of market games, um, and to, just to be able to watch the Leafs. So for the first few weeks, I'm always like, "All right, I'll watch the late game, Vancouver, what LA or whatever it is, or like lots of." And eventually, it dies down, and you get back to mostly watching your own team. But for the first few weeks here, I'm sure I'll watch a ton of games. 
Oh yeah. It's like the first round of the playoffs, right? Yes. Like you're just so excited. You watch absolutely everything. And um, I, I, I didn't catch the Seattle game, LOL, way too late, but I did, <laughs> I did watch the highlights the next day. Cause it's always exciting to see like a franchise's first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch the Pittsburgh uh, Tampa game again, nothing to write home about there yeah. other than the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh without Crosby and Malkin and, and Gensel, like, you know, they actually have some decent depth in case anybody was surprised to hear Looks that. Like, eh? um, now there was an interesting moment in the ESPN broadcast uh, during, I think the first intermission or second intermission. I can't I remember. I think it was second. Second intermission. They sat down with Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin to talk about their individual rivalry throughout the years. And they brought up, Things like the double hat trick game from, I believe, 2009. I think that's right. Um, and then the, the amazing commercial that they did back in like their respective rookie seasons. Ovechkin. The, oh, Ovechkin. The, uh, yeah, the, the road room trip. Service thing. Oh, yeah, it's great. That was a great, great commercial. commercial. Yes. What did you think of that interview? Ah, it was the most <laughs> NHL thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was two guys who. Like Crosby, look, fantastic player, one of the greatest of all time. He is boring as hell to listen to him speak. Oh, He's yeah. not an interesting guy. Um, you can tell there was a couple of moments, and we'll post the link to this thing if you haven't seen it for yourself on our social media feeds. You can tell there's some moments that they're trying to be lighthearted a little, but they're both just awkward. And it's it to me, it was very cringy. It was very... Um, I don't really get it because Ovechkin has a ton of personality, right? Like, but it seemed like sitting beside Sid, he was brought down to that monotone robot thing that that hockey players are supposed to do. I just, to me, there wasn't anything really said that was all that noteworthy. It was just the whole environment that's just like, oh my God, both of these guys would rather be anywhere else on earth than doing this right now. What do you think? The, I mean, yeah, the, the exact same. And, <laughs> and when you make Alexander, I thought the the uh, insurance commercial that Ovechkin, his wife, and Nick Backstrom did, um, which we will also tweet a link to sure. because it's hilarious. Yes. And I think it just released today. I thought that was more interesting yeah. than this. You're like Ovi has so much personality and is, in my opinion, one of the funniest people in the NHL. <laughs> and he could not be more polar opposite from Sidney That's Crosby. Right. And yet, yeah, they brought him down to that level. And, you know, what, what really stood out to me is I'm looking at these two players and, you know, they're in their mid-30s now and they have lived two very different lives. <laughs> and it shows. Yes. Like, it should come as a surprise to no one that Ovechkin looks like he's been around the block a few times, yeah. right? He's got the gray hair. He's looking a little roughed up. He looks like he maybe that, that, that summer long bender after he won the cup started that, to catch up. Probably with only ended the night before media day when this was recorded. Yeah, like, he's exactly. hung over from literally last night. <laughs> exactly. And Crosby on the other hand has had maybe a, an alcoholic drink yep. in his life. If that, um, <laughs> whatever, and, and whatever just champagne like, he drank from the cup and that's it. That was yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally it. If you want to know the difference between Crosby and Ovechkin, look at their, the way that they celebrated with the cup. Crosby's first day with the cup, he cleaned it. <laughs> it's as, as, as exciting as you imagined it would be. It's got a little bit Ovechkin, of a silvo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ovechkin did a keg stand off yeah. of it. That's again all you need to know. And, Ended and up in some I fountain love in downtown oh Washington DC. My favorite, like if we could just reminisce about that sure. summer long bender uh, of the Capitals <laughs> for a minute. 
My favorite was when they went to the Washington Nationals game and they were honored at the game and they had this beautiful suite and they had the Stanley Cup with them and all this stuff. There was a, a moment, I guess, during the game, the camera was not on him. No one was paying attention to him. Someone just happened to catch this in the crowd and share it on social media. He was just standing in the open area of the suite with the Stanley Cup above his head for no reason. Sure. For like five minutes straight. <laughs> and it's it's the greatest. Like everything about that summer was so wild, but for some reason that moment stands out to me. And can like, I can again, I reminisce a bit of a moment from that summer? Absolutely. And it's literally like maybe 12 minutes after the game ended. It's not even into that summer yet. There is a legendary photo of Ovechkin carrying the cup around the ice in Vegas. And a woman is flashing her breasts against the glass. And there's like six or eight capitals following Ovi. And none of them are looking at him or in front. All of them clearly have their heads turned to the right, right at this one moment. It is the most legendary, fo- like the glass and the way the photo is taken. You, you can tell that she's lifted her shirt, but it's not like a graphic photo, right? But all of their heads are just turned and they just won the Stanley Cup. And the only thing they care about is this topless woman on the other side of the glass. And there's this something hysterical about the photo being captured at the absolute perfect moment that some guys will just never change. And that was maybe my, that photo every now and then makes its way around Twitter again. It is hysterical. Everything about that that summer was just <laughs> hilarious. It was one wild moment after another. Yes. And and again, like it perfectly encapsulates the difference between Crosby and Ovi. And I, I get what they were trying to do. Sure. I appreciate that ESPN is trying. Yep. And 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 I want more of this. I, I but I'd like to see them bring out, you know, as reporters, your job is to bring out their personality yep. a little bit. And I'd like, I know that with Crosby, that may, may never happen, but maybe with McDavid, there's still a chance. Try to make him, try Less to give dull. him some personality. Ugh. Did you see the, uh, speaking of some great work by ESPN, uh, Emily Kaplan put out a piece on Wednesday morning on Austin Matthews. Um, and it was a, you know, big, long article, but about him and how he doesn't really fit a lot of the hockey narrative stuff, obviously growing up where he did coming through it. And, and he's, you know, pushing for more teams, especially Toronto to be, uh, you know, the coyotes dropped their dress code. He'd like to see that happen in Toronto. Um, you know, the mustache thing, it's just a lot of talk about him being sort of a different cat and sort of one of these young guys in the NHL. That's not afraid to push against the the narratives and that you're so the, the shitty interviews where you just say the things you're supposed to say. Um, and I, I, to me, I, whatever people can say I'm biased, I might be, but Austin Matthews is an interesting guy, right? And you do see him out and about with Justin Bieber and you do see him doing these fashion articles in GQ or whatever it might be. Um, he's just a different guy. And maybe the fact that he plays hockey and he does it in Canada will stop him from becoming the breakout superstar that the NHL maybe would love for him to be. But in terms of a character, right, in terms of a personality, I think if you let him, and, you know, maybe it is playing in an original six stodgy Toronto that is even pushing against it a little too much and stopping him from doing all the stuff he wants to do. But I do think there, like, that's a guy that, that could be, you know, a breakout kind of personality that ESPN should be focusing on. But I wonder if the Canadian market thing will hold that back a little bit. But uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, that article is floating all over hockey Twitter right now. We'll retweet it. But Emily Kaplan did a really nice job on that one as well. 
Yeah, I, I haven't read it yet, but I, I very much I love this stuff that Emily Kaplan does. Um, did and not to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy for a minute. <laughs> did she mention the summer he got nope. in some trouble? Nope. No. Okay. We're trying to build stars here. We're not trying to be moralistic and, you know, have integrity. And that's not me trying to call out Emily Kaplan, but that was no, not, and that was if not I know part Emily of the Kaplan narrative at all, trying to. If I know anything about an Emily Kaplan, having never spoken to her in my life, but like just read <laughs> enough of her work, I'm if, if it wasn't in there, it may not have been her choice. That's possible. Um, ESPN, like, like, you know, we have to start looking at ESPN as, as Sportsnet, right? Yes. They're, they are the primary, um, uh, broadcaster for the NHL in the States, they are going to have certain they you have know, vested interests. Yeah, push them. And, and the reason I ask that is just because I, I am all for, um, I, I think Austin, I, there's a lot I like about Austin Matthews. Um, and, I, and I love the fact that he is not your quintessential NHL star because quintessential NHL stars are boring. Yes, they and, are. And I, I want to see someone show up at, at, into the game in not a suit, in like a funky sweater and a hat. Because, like, if you've ever watched the WNBA or the NWSL, this is half the fun of the pregame is the fashion show <laughs> that you get. I'm all for that. I love that he's not from a traditional market. Yep. I love that he speaks Spanish. I love that there's all these things about him that make him the polar opposite of every of boring, Matt Sundin. Of, of Matt Sundin yeah. and every boring NHL player that ever did live. I mean, I think if you're going to talk about his you know, legacy so far and how he represents himself. You have to mention that. Probably. Like it clearly it, wasn't the narrative they the wanted here. Yep. It did. Like let's, it did. let's call a spade a spade. This cost him the captain's captaincy. And I do have an issue with the fact that it's just been swept under the rug. Right. Like I, I get that he didn't, you know, if some people would brush it off as like, a, a you know, boys being boys and a young kid doing a stupid thing. But like he harassed a female security guard, guys. Like, is it weird yeah. that you'll tell me and I don't care. This might be unpopular. Is it weird that like to me, I'm far less worried about offended by whatever term you want to use by the fact that he showed his underwear walking away than I am by the fact that he tried to open her car. Like to me, that's more that, exactly. Yeah. That's what stood out to me because yeah. that's aggressive. Yeah. The other thing is stupid. You're yeah. being an idiot, but you're also being a 19 year old, 20 year old. Yeah, you're a drunk like, moron it, at the time. You're being the other a drunk thing moron. scared her. That's exactly. not okay. If yeah. a guy tried to get into my car late at night, I have an issue with that. Yeah. That is incredibly aggressive, and and that's why, like you know, it's not just this innocent thing. And and you know, I think that the NHL has to reckon with the fact that it's got a number of stars who have done some questionable things and deserve yep. to be held accountable. And I don't think Austin Matthews was ever fully held accountable. Like his dad tried to cover it up. He didn't tell the team all this stuff. And I just, I feel weird about mentioning that stuff. Like, I feel like I'm irresponsible if I, if I talk about him and how he represents himself without, without mentioning that. But, but all that being said, like, I hope he's learned from that. Sure. And I, I, and I hope think it's fair to bring up. I just, uh, yeah. it, to me, it was just more a point on how ESPN is suddenly very on board uh, with the Ooh, NHL yeah. and, and the article that they, and you could see it on the ESPN.com on Tuesday. Um, you know, MLB playoffs were pushed down the page further than the NHL. Like all of us, and before you couldn't find NHL anything on SportsCenter, on ESPN.com. They are clearly now they, they have a vested interest. Um, they're going to push it, which can only be good for the league. And it was funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't give him much credit, but uh, 
uh, Gary Bettman was on one of ESPN's morning shows on Tuesday, and he said, you know, what is one of the things you're most excited about in terms of this partnership between ESPN and the NHL? And he kind of said that you guys are going to acknowledge us. Like, <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, okay, funny, Gary, we're moving on. But, I mean, good for him, right? Like, yeah, yeah we're here now. And ESPN, after the NHL left, did their part to bury the league because it wasn't an ESPN property anymore. And now that it is, uh, you're going to see um, them put a bunch more effort into it in terms of covering games, in terms of write-ups, in terms of guests and all kinds of things. And um, I think you're right to bring up the concerns about Austin Matthews, but uh, my point more simply was just all of a sudden, there it is, right? Uh, this big ESPN write-up on opening day um, on one of its biggest stars. And I don't think you'd have seen that a year ago. No, and and that's that really only benefits the league because this is the this is America's largest sports broadcaster, yep. right? They should be covering the NHL more, and if they, if the NHL wants to grow at all, they need them. They need ESPN on their side. So, I so, thought that was great. Before we move off hockey, I got a couple over unders on this NHL season. I want to hit you with. All right, hit me. So, Brady Kachuk. As we sit here right now on Wednesday <sighs> evening, I believe there's still no contract. Let's assume that when Brady gets here, he remains healthy for the remainder of the season. So there's no injury talk here. Brady Kachuk will play over or under 72 games for the Ottawa Senators this year. Jeez. Um, How long is this going to last? Yeah. So this essentially means that it would only last 10 games, which is what? uh, Two and a half weeks. Basically, yep. I think it's going longer than two and a half weeks, so I'm going to take the under. I think yeah. at this point, they're dug in. I, I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I like. I want him. It's ridiculous that it's gotten to this point. Um, I want him back right now. I, I and I really fear that a William Nylander situation is coming, mm-hmm. where he comes back halfway through the season and is just a shell of himself because he didn't he, he didn't have proper time to train. Do you think there's a chance? I think that's interesting that if it goes that long and you get to that deadline and all of a sudden somebody cracks and now you're playing half a season and it was not a good half season for William Nylander. Do you think there's a chance that Brady's style allows him to avoid that a bit? Like Willie's expected to put up goals and assists. That's what he does. And if he's not doing it, he's not doing much else. Brady, is it possible? Like he could still bring that physical presence. He could still bring that net front presence and maybe still be, yeah, his, maybe his point totals will suffer a little bit, but there's enough other things in his game that while it's still not ideal, maybe it's not a terrible thing. I, I just wonder if he's maybe more likely to be able to survive a break like that. That's a fair question because he does have a very different style, but I, I think that what is more at risk for Brady instead of like point totals and all that is injuries yeah. because of the style he plays without a proper training camp, without yep. proper, you know, you, you can train all you want, it does not prepare you for genuine in-game NHL hockey. Um, and I fear that an injury might be more likely for him just based on the way he plays. Connor McDavid last year put up 105 points in 56 games. Ridiculous. Uh, if you do the math and extrapolate that out to 82 games, it was 153-point pace. I think that is downright nutty. Um, so I'm going to back that off just a little bit, though. Uh, Because I do think 82 games can take its toll. Um, The travel will be different this year than in previous years. I'm going to set this at 141 points over 82 games for Connor McDavid. Over, under. I'm going to say over. 
I'm going to be a little bold okay. on this. And, and you know, I, th- I think, Connor, I hate to use the North Division yep. excuse um, because Edmonton wasn't exactly the, you know, strength of that division. That's right. No. <laughs> um, and they were playing teams like Toronto and Winnipeg who were very good. Um, but they're also not in an overly strong division. Oh, no, that's an awful division. <laughs> So you got to think he spends most of his time, like obviously there's other games, but yep. you, you play most of your games within your division in any regular season for the NHL. Um, and he's playing against the likes of Anaheim and San Jose and Seattle and LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's hitting that easily. And, you know, he's got, he's had a full, almost a full off season unexpectedly uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Um, to recover, so barring injury and all that stuff, I, I think I think we see him put up an ungodly number, and I hope we do. I want to see that. Right. I want to see him in conversation for records and stuff like that. I want him to be head and shoulders above every single player in this league because he is. Right, and and I want to see him put up those points. So I'm going to say over. How about you? Uh, I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see how it is. Okay. Um, over. In the neighborhood, but just slightly under. I think okay. over 82 games, it's going to be very hard to keep up that pace. Um, you know, you're going to throw some Vegas games in there. Who They'll be pretty good defensive. And he he's going to get out of his division, right? He will have to face, um, I don't know, you think Boston and Tampa. And what, like <laughs> there'll be some harder, um, you know, even when he was playing Toronto last year, who was supposed to be the class of, of that North division. It wasn't because Toronto's defense was so smothering, right? <laughs> that, yeah. um, so I think it's, I think he's in the neighborhood, but it's more like 137, 138, uh, something like that. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have made the playoffs for 15 straight years, but they are starting the season with no Crosby and no Malkin. Uh, didn't seem to miss him on Tuesday night, but uh, Crosby will be back very shortly. Malkin is probably early in the new year. Do the Pittsburgh Penguins make the playoffs this year, or is that streak over? Ooh, um, I say they make it just because, and I know it's only one game, but like their depth is very capable, mm-hmm. and and I think that this team is as, as much as they are Crosby and Malkin, they are more than just Crosby and Malkin, and they've proven that time and time again. Because at some point, for the I don't know how many last couple regular seasons, either Crosby or Malkin or both have been out, right? Right, yes, no, they are, they're, they're almost never in the lineup together. Yeah, and, and they're they're almost never in the lineup for 82 games. Right. So I, I think that we've seen Pittsburgh do it. I mean, they're not in, uh, you know, I'm looking like at their division. division isn't as great as it was the last few years, I don't think. Exactly. Like, I think you've got Carolina and Washington who are your guaranteed in the playoffs, probably. Oh, and the, the Islanders. Islanders. It's time for us maybe to start respecting the Islanders because I have disrespected yeah. them every year for the last. And the Rangers so, should be better. Columbus is going to be terrible. I think it's tough. They may be out. And I expect Philly to be better. I, I, I got the Their division the is missing. much more of a, a coin flip. Yes. It's hard to see what this division is going to be because you're right. The Islanders don't get the respect they deserve. Who knows what the Rangers will be? They should be better. Um who really knows what New Jersey is going to be? They brought in Dougie Hamilton. What's that going to do? Right. Um, so I, yeah, I think Jersey there's a lot of questions. Be yeah. yeah, it's going to be. I tough. Think there's a lot of question marks, I and s- and I, I just I have a hard time betting against Crosby. I, and, that's and, totally fair. And when he does come back, and when Malkin does come back, and and I don't really know when that'll be. I I haven't heard anything, but still terrified um, by that Pittsburgh goaltending that we saw in the playoffs last year. Who oh, my. That was not good. I got two more yeah. for you here. 
Uh, Austin Matthews. He's going to miss the first three games. We assume, even if it's not the fourth game, very soon after he will be back. But he's clearly not going to play 82 games coming off of wrist surgery. Last year, in the 56-game season, he only played 52 games, but was on pace for 63 goals. I'm setting the over-under here. I think pretty low, but crazy things happen in Leafland, as you know. 49.5. Do the Toronto Maple Leafs finally hit a 50-goal scorer? Or does, for some reason, he not get there again this year? Because basically, the last two years, last year he was on pace. The year before, he was 47 with 12 games lopped off the end because of the pandemic. In theory, he's had two 50-goal or better pace seasons, but something always seems to come up. 49.5 over or under for Austin Matthews. So I'm I'm probably going to make my boldest prediction here, and I'm going to say under, Ooh. and not not because I'm a bitter sense fan, <laughs> and not because I'm biased. Because I like on paper, I want to take the over, but I, there are a couple things I'm wondering. One, he just had wrist surgery. Yep. What is he known for? His, His wrist, wrist shot, shot. <laughs> seems like a, a crucial worried. element. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, uh, you know, my beer league hockey experience <laughs> tells me very limited things, but I know that that's important for a wrist shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what's the recovery uh, like? What is his recovery in in terms of coming back to the in game form going right. to look like? And and I, I, you know, will another injury happen as a result? Who knows? And so I you're think saying that's like much- it's possible by the second half of the season, he's back to scoring at that pace, but it just takes a while to get back there and he's too, you know, it's too much ground to make up. There's that. And then there's the other side, which is if I'm Sheldon Keefe, we all know that the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. And I realize that someone could clip this at some point if that doesn't happen. <laughs> but- you know, we know that this team is supposed to make the playoffs on paper. It would be a shock if they didn't. Right. But that doesn't matter. What matters is winning a freaking round of mm-hmm. the playoffs. And if I'm Sheldon Keefe, and and I'm more importantly Kyle Dubas, and I'm in the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, who is also a part of MLSE, who also owned the Raptors, and they did exactly this, I'm load managing the hell out of Austin Matthews towards the end of the season. Mm. I am not risking him getting hurt or him getting tired right. or, you know, whatever, because he is coming off of an injury and off of surgery. I don't know that we, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, we see some load management happen where they, they prioritize his health for the playoffs so that they can capitalize on him being at his peak on him being, you know, the amazing player that he is. And on this team winning a goddamn round of the playoffs. <laughs> so I, with those two things, I, I feel like, one of those two things is going to happen. Either his injury is going to have an effect on his ability to score goals at the beginning, or he's going to be rationed in terms of minutes and usage and even games played towards the end so that he is saved for the playoffs to a certain extent because of starting off the season with an injury. So I'm, I'm, I know that's a bold prediction, but yeah, I'm going to say it is that actually because I, I, and whatever, accuse me of the blue goggles. I'm saying over just because I assume. You know, everything that we've heard about the surgery is that it was, I mean, anytime you have surgery, it's invasive, but you know, that this is supposed to fix his issues and that he'll be okay. Um, and also I just believe that the franchises, uh, the franchise recognizes that after, you know, two years of sort of having it taken away from him, that this would be important to him and important to fans like to, 
it's been since Dave Anderchuk, right? Since they've had a 50 goal scorer. Um, but I don't think he comes close to the 63 goal pace that he was on last year, but I do think he gets enough to clear 50. I think they will help him do that. Last one for you. We've been talking about the Montreal Canadiens and, um, you know, what they're going to look like this year. Carey Price starting the season away. Uh, Shea Weber not there. And, uh, you know, some other pieces in, other people pieces out. We're seeing kind of a lot of mixed predictions, but a lot of people picking the Montreal Canadiens to make the playoffs. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you, since a lot of people think that this is a year that the Ottawa Senators need to take a step forward. Does Ottawa finish ahead of Montreal or behind Montreal in the final standings this year? Oh, oh my God. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that is a good question because so with Ottawa and I've, I've kind of maintained that my expectation is that they don't make the playoffs, but they are in it until game 81. Right. Okay. Like, like they are at least in the playoff race, not mathematically eliminated until game 81 or 82. So you think like most people, I think Boston, Tampa, Toronto, and Florida are the top four in this division. I think, yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't so. yeah. see the, the benefit to Ottawa is that Buffalo and, and Detroit yeah. exist. Yep. And, and sure. they are going to be the bottom two that teams. That Buffalo have- roster I saw at practice <sighs> the other day. That's going to be tragic. That season looks, they have, uh, whatever. We don't need to get bogged down on Buffalo, but like Middlestat is their number one center right now with Jeff Skinner. And you're just like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. So you're right. There's some easy wins there. Easy wins and, and, and guaranteed bottom two standings in this division. So at least Ottawa is saved from, you know, perhaps being sixth. Okay. But in that, you know, fighting for the supposed last wild card, where does Montreal fit in that? I mean, I think they're right in there with the playoff race with Ottawa. Whether or not they make it is a different story um, because this is a very different team from what we saw go to the finals, Mm -hmm. right? Like they don't have, like they they don't have Ben Chirot, who was a huge part of why they got there. Well, they don't have Um, Kotkaniemi for whatever you think of him. Price Weber. Who knows when Price has come back? Like, yeah. It's there's too many questions with Montreal to say. Um, oh God, and I, I do think that all it takes is is Murray stringing together a couple of decent games for the Sens to yep. surprise a lot of people. Yep, I guess. And and by surprise a lot of people, I mean not be mathematically eliminated in March. <laughs> and that's really my only expectation. Um, this is the hard, honestly, the hardest question to answer because I see the difference in points for these two teams being like three points okay. at most. Screw it. I'm going to say Ottawa finishes above Montreal. All right. I like it. I like I, it. I don't think either of them make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm going. And I know, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm going to be proved wrong there. Montreal is going to finish three points ahead of Ottawa. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> You're hedging your bets a little bit, but I, I like it. I, I like the idea of the young up and coming team, um, you know, that maybe puts it together a little bit. You know, they're going to get a boost whenever Brady does ride back into town, right? There'll be kind of a, a bit of a, a push there and some excitement there. So every, that'll go to their legs a bit. I can see it. 
I can see them passing Montreal. And look, Montreal, quite frankly, they went to the Stanley Cup final last year, but if the season was two or three weeks longer, like they were trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. They weren't even going to make it. So um, you remove a bunch of pieces from that lineup and then say, go do it for 82 games. I don't know. I still think maybe that's a roster you look at and go, I wouldn't love to play them in the playoffs, but they may not have to worry about it. <laughs> like, exactly. There are those teams out there. So those are fun. Those are the ones I wanted to hit you with. That's all I got. That That is okay. Um, that's all I have on the NHL. Yep. And anything else on the NHL? No, for you? that was it. I know you wanted no. to touch on the WNBA here a little bit. I got time for that. Let's uh, let's hit it. Yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to to highlight to anybody who isn't watching the WNBA finals at this point. What are you doing? You should be watching the WNBA finals. It has been so much fun so far. Um, we've got two teams. For those of you who haven't been following, again, what are you doing? But. Um, we've got two teams who no one expected to be here at this point. Chicago Sky, Phoenix Mercury, they finished fifth and sixth in the regular season. They both had to play first round series. Um, they, Chicago in particular went up against, uh, oh my God, did they go up against Connecticut or did Phoenix? I'm totally blanking. But anyway, everyone, everyone expected the Connecticut Sun to be in the finals. They finished the season on a 14-0 run. They were the number one seed uh, team in the regular season. They had a 26-6 and record. Just unbelievable it was Chicago against uh, Connecticut. And Chicago beat them 3-1. Like, like wow. it, this was not a very close series. Phoenix um, went up against another top-seeded team, LA, uh, Las Vegas, sorry, who finished second overall. Very good team. They've got Asia Wilson, arguably one of, the, one of if not the best player in, in the league right now. And, uh, you know, it, it took five games. It went, it did go to five games, but Phoenix beat them. Phoenix also beat Seattle on their way there and the New York Liberty. And they have just been on a tear. And Diana Taurasi in particular, like she's playing on a, a high ankle sprain, an injured Ooh. foot, and she has been fantastic. She also broke her sternum earlier this year, which a lot of people forget, oh, which man. is – like sounds awful. Yes. And her wife just gave birth to their second child, like hours after they won game five against Las Vegas and went to the finals. Diana Taurasi <laughs> got home and went straight to the hospital. <laughs> like That doesn't sound it, stressful. It's not, not at all. <laughs> it has been a wild couple of weeks and Phoenix in particular has just been so impressive in Chicago at, at the time of recording. Now there is a game tonight. So, Obviously, things will change, but at the time of this recording, Chicago took game one, so they're they're ahead right now. Um, but uh, game two is tonight at nine. I, I highly, highly recommend um, you know go to WNBA.com, check out the rest of the schedule because it has been so entertaining so far. And uh, yeah, this is this has been the most fun I think I've had it in a playoffs in a long time. What can you tell me about like we we had heard early on about how high the ratings had been, right? That they had exploded in terms of interest. I can say, and it's purely anecdotal, um, that my Twitter timeline is far more aware of the WNBA playoffs this year than maybe any time um, in the time that I've been on that hellscape. Um, is it? Does it feel to you like it's, like the the interest has kept building. Has it been steady? Like you've you've followed this league for a while. Does it feel like maybe this final has a little bit more juice to it than than in the past? Because if I'm being honest with you, and it's surprising because we curate our own Twitter feeds, right? We decide what we follow and who. I am seeing more, if I'm being honest, about the WNBA playoffs than I am about the Major League Baseball playoffs right now. 
That's probably because I'm putting a lot of that content into your, <laughs> your timeline. I'm just constantly liking and retweeting stuff. But no, I, I completely agree. And and it's hard for me to tell because I've, you know, I'm, I've been more and more getting into the WNBA over the last couple of years. But last season in particular was a big year for me where I like went all in. Mm-hmm. And in the last year and a half, I, you know, in that process, I've followed a lot more people who cover the league. And I feel like I've just put myself in a position to see more of it. Sure. Um, so it's hard for me to say, like, is it more, is it less than before? But like ESPN released their numbers for Sunday's game, one of the finals. Um, they averaged about 456,000 viewers. It was the most watched opening game of the finals since 2017. Okay. Um, and they had a peak of, of uh, about 547,000. Uh, the 2021 semifinals, so the semifinals that just wrapped up, were the most viewed non-finals since 2014. Hmm. Overall viewership is up 70 for, 70% over 2020. Wow. And uh, the, the postseason in general is averaging about 317,000 viewers through 14 games. So the numbers are all trending in the right direction. They're all trending up. I think also part of that is the fact that, well, it, it, they're trending up almost in spite of where they've been placed because they're often on TSN4 right. and ESPN2. They're not on the primary networks, but I believe game one was on ABC. And that helps, sure, right? Being on a major, yeah, being on a major network. network. Yeah. Yeah. And, and game two is going to be on ESPN, so not ESPN2 or anything like that. I believe it's still going to be on TSN4. That tends to be when they place it. Um, but, you know, we, we need to see these games be put on, on you know, the major, major networks, not the subsidiaries, subsidiaries sorry, of the major networks. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think that overall we're seeing it trend in the right direction, and I think at times that's because it's it's – starting to be played on, on more of, uh, the, the major networks. Um, do we ever see numbers in Canada, what it's looking like, or are those sort of kept a little closer to the vest? I had seen, okay. So it's on TSN two tonight. That's good. Um, I had seen some numbers early on in the season. And I, if I'm recalling correctly, WNBA viewership in Canada, and I, I don't remember if this was on on like TSN and Sportsnet and and you know cable providers overall and the app or just the app. But I, I know that if I'm recalling correctly, the the viewership in Canada was up something like 325. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That is insane. Like, like. a crazy amount, a crazy <laughs> amount. Um, so they, so yeah, the viewership continues to trend up. And you know, we were it was funny we were talking about this on She's Got Game last week, but there was a study recently released that. Female sports fans are something like 25% more likely to purchase sponsor products of sports that they watch. Is that because so, female sports don't constantly get bombarded by the same goddamn Manscaped ad on everything we watch and listen to? For Christ's sake, it's been five so. years. If I, I haven't bought it yet, I'm it. not going to stop. Right? Like, that, that, may, that may or may not sorry. be part of it. I think it's, I think it's also because like, there's a lot of female sports leagues that are just conscious of the sponsors that yes. they get involved with and, and are much more aligned with their viewers and female sports leagues acknowledge female viewers. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's something that, like, like that. The, 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 I, as, as a, a woman who's been watching sports for, I don't know how long um, I've never had an ad targeted to me while watching an NFL or an NHL game. I can tell you that much. Um, so I think it's, it's partially that, come on, give it a chance. (laughs) uh, You know, Molson export is now like the primary sponsor of, I think Montreal Canadiens hockey. 
Well, okay, that doesn't surprise me. They love the X there in in I Quebec. know, it's but weird. I've never seen it. It's always been Molson Canadian, yes. Montreal Canadian hockey. Oh, okay, no, it's or always Molson, Molson Canadian. Montreal. I know it's Molson Canadian Leafs hockey. It's been that for yeah. a bunch. Of, but when you go into Quebec, all of a sudden they're all about the export. Like, it's, oh, they it's, love the X. But yeah. but now it's like formally Molson Export okay. Montreal Canadians hockey, which I thought was funny. Yes. Um. But yeah. So so that com- you know combine that with the fact that the viewership is going up and viewers of, of women's sports are more likely to buy the products. Like what more math do you need to see to invest in women's sports? Right. If you're a business and not manscaped, please. <laughs> Womanscaped. Womanscaped. Uh, let me ask you about this one other thing. Cause I thought I had seen this uh, earlier and then, you know, whether it's just gotten closer again or if they've moved it or if this is something different. I saw Janine Becky quote tweet an event that was going to be the national women's soccer team uh, with dates here in Ottawa and Montreal, I believe I saw. I thought I'd already heard this and it was coming earlier. What is what is happening with the Canadian women's soccer team and this kind of, uh, I don't know, cross-country tour that they're working on right now? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. So yeah, there, we had been hearing about the victory tour that Canada is going to be doing um, throughout Canada, obviously. Uh, so far, the only two dates confirmed are Montreal and um, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Ottawa is October 23rd, and I have my tickets. You can go to <laughs> canadasoccer.com to get yours. Um, so, so far, those are the only two cities that are confirmed. I'm just going to find when, when Montreal's is. But uh, yeah, October 23rd here in Ottawa, you can watch Canada take on New Zealand. Okay. Um, and it's going to be pretty much the roster that won the gold medal. You've got Janine Becky, you've got Christine St. Clair, uh, Vanessa Gilles, Stephanie Labe, all the players we know and love at this point um, <laughs> are, are going to be here in Ottawa at TD Place. So I, I highly recommend if you haven't already, you, uh, you check that out. Um, what is the, uh, you know, have, have you followed at all? I, I don't want to shift away from it, but I, I, I've, I, you know, you and I talked about this on the show. Um, I'm anything but a soccer fan normally, but the Olympics do strange things to people. And I was up for that gold medal women's soccer game, like everybody else was. And I had my hands on my head during the, the penalty kicks at the end, like just stressing out, like this had been the passion of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, have you followed much of what's happening with the men's national team right now? Because I will admit I'm suddenly following them a little closer too, as, as they've had some interesting games, right? They got a point out of uh, Azteca Stadium there in Mexico City, which they hadn't done since 1984. Um, a couple of interesting draws, one against the U.S. Uh, they are, as we sit here now on Wednesday night, getting ready to host Panama in a huge game that if they were to win, uh, would put them in great position. And I can't remember, it might be Mexico. They're hosting somebody in Edmonton in November. And that seems like cheating to me, <laughs> like that, that we, we were able to bring any kind of Central American team up to Edmonton in November and ask them to play in that. Uh, I'm down with it, but it does seem a little unfair. Have you followed it all what the men's national team has been doing? Because I'm suddenly more interested in it than I have been probably ever. Here and there, I have. Admittedly, I haven't watched much, but I've been seeing it more and more uh, pop up in my timeline. So yeah. so I've been at least like residually following it. Sure. Um, not as closely as I probably should, but I'm much more intrigued because you know, the men's team is now in conversation for qualifying. Yeah. Right? It's and that's, not a dream. That's... It's a possibility now for exactly. the first time in decades. 
that is leaps and bounds above where we were. And I honestly think part of this is they have the, the women's team to thank because the interest in soccer in Canada has skyrocketed. That's interesting. I think you kind of pushed it back out in front, right? Like here it is. And, um, It'd be I, nice I, if Canada soccer would sell the female jerseys, by the oh way. Boy. Just putting they putting that, that out there. Eh? Um, yeah. I can remember saying at the time on Twitter, when John Herdman left as coach of the women's team to go coach the men's team, saying, and I, I don't remember what the standings were exactly at the time, but someone, um, whatever the, the journalist was who wrote the headline, said uh, John Herdman promoted to uh, whatever, coach of the <laughs> men's team. Like, in what world... He's going from like eighth place Canada's women's team to like 122nd ranked men's team, a fucking promotion. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think at the time the women's team was like fifth. Might be. Like they, right? it was I think they were just coming off a bronze, another bronze medal win. I can't remember which one, but like it was, yeah, they were, they were higher than they even are going into these Olympics. Yes. It was not good. <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible headline, but I think it's interesting. I think that's a, a you know a good point that what the Canadian women did this summer um, has put this back out in front. And um, you know, I'm not making any statements here that I'm suddenly a hardcore soccer fan. I wouldn't have said it with the women. I don't say it now. But when big things are happening, I want to check it out. I want to watch. And I want to see. And and so I followed that women's team. Although some of those two, three, four a.m. games, yeah, there was no chance. But you know, when it was big games I was willing to check it out and I suddenly I find myself like the other night when they were playing down in Mexico City I wanted badly to go to bed but I like I'm gonna watch the second half of this I want to see what happens like Canada is in this and I I do think that uh, what the women did had a big part in kind of pushing this back to soccer uh, back front of mind for Canadians so it's pretty cool yeah yeah absolutely I think we owe a lot uh, we overstart we've seen on the women's side the the growth of the game and and you know players on the team now who watched London 2012 and were inspired to yeah you know pick up their soccer game like we interviewed Vanessa Gill last week on she's got game and she said exactly that she was like I watched London 2012 I was like this is what I want to do I want to do that and yeah. you know there she is which makes me feel incredibly old but like <laughs> you know that's a prime example of of why this stuff matters and I think that happens on the men's side too because there are little boys watching those games as well. Yeah. And, and now, you know, they're sticking soccer's n- never had a popularity issue under the age of 12. No, of course. In Canada. It's after that, that it gets dicey. And I think you're starting to see now that they have something to aspire to, you know, same with, with hockey on the women's side after Nagano, mm-hmm. um, when they have something to aspire to, it's amazing what happens to registration. <laughs> um, so I think that's just, you know, more and more of imagine the, the uptick we're going to see seven or eight years from now. Yep. after they won gold, right? Like yep. in, in quite possibly one of the greatest moments in Canadian sports history. Like this, is, we're, we're only going to see this continue to grow and, and hopefully that we see it on the men's side as well. I think you're right. I think uh, soccer could be in a position very similar to what we saw with, like you said, with Nagano, with women's hockey, um, right around the same time, Vince Carter and the effect that he had oh, on yeah. basketball in Canada. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there and the Canadian women's basketball team is in the same place now where there's some tremendous athletes from Canada and the WNBA, you know, I, I think all of this stuff, once it's put out in front of you, um, and Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and some of the guys that are playing for the Canadian men's team now that look, no one thinks that Canada's men's team's about to win an Olympics or a world cup like the women did. But if you could suddenly get back onto that stage, 
Um, it would be interesting to see, right? The World Cup here in Canada still is is super interesting or super unique in that you see everybody driving around with their Greek flag or their Italian flag or their British flag, like uh, where their families are from. And it's kind of cool. But imagine if you suddenly saw all those Canadian flags driving around and what that might do to kids who suddenly would get interested in, in soccer, if they could see their own nation be a part of it. So this could be an absolutely gigantic year for soccer in Canada on the men's and women's side. So hopefully, uh, get a big game out of Panama here on Wednesday night and uh, just keep pushing forward. It could be a very big year. Absolutely. All right. I think, uh, I think that might be a good place to, to wrap it up. Anything else you wanted to hit on for this episode? As my dogs get involved. <laughs> Serenade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode 890, Jeff Vayette of uh, faceoffcircle.ca. Teen up the Leafs, episode 892. Uh, with Graham Nichols is out on Thursday to help tee up the Senators season. Both of those at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're listening right now. Help you check those out. Uh, Shrides, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we don't have to wait too long. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to be calling you as soon as the CFL playoffs are set. Um, I, there you go. I'm not so sure Ottawa's going to be a part of that. but uh, Unlikely. Yeah, yeah, it's not seeming good. But uh, this has been fun. I'm glad you've uh, you've made some time for us for as long as you did. And, you know, like I said earlier, we'll, we'll you and I, we can touch base off air in the new year, see how things look, see what might, uh, might be possible then again once the CFL season has wound down a bit. But for now, uh, it's been great. As, uh, we really appreciate your contributions. No, um, thank you for having me and, and thank you for letting me be involved. And uh, uh, I, I, like I said, people are not going to miss me at all the minute Ian Mendez hits the airwaves. Um, oh, I should but, promote that too, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, right. This yeah. guy named Ian yeah, Mendez is going to be here. Followed yeah. by Amy Burke, just like star-studded lineup to rip the Band-Aid off and uh, ensure that no one is sad, which is good because <laughs> I'm going to listen and not be sad um, that, uh, that I'm not involved anymore because of those amazing co-hosts. So uh, thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. As always, thank you listeners for all of your supports. Um, you can continue to support us by following the podcast at Talcan Audio on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, facebook.com slash audio like and subscribe where leave a review more importantly wherever you get your podcasts um and you can find me on twitter at shrides s-c-h-r-e-i-d-s and i'm sure i'll be back sometime soon what's on uh, see you no 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 what's on she's got oh. game this week well, this week on Cheesecake Game, we're talking WNBA playoffs Ooh. with uh, Lindsay D'Arcangelo, okay. uh, as well as a few other uh, happenings in the world of women's sports, continued updates on the NWSL situation, and uh, all that stuff. But yeah, very WNBA playoffs focused. Perfect. All right. And with that, we will see you next time on Tall Can Audio. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Peace.